This is Barely Legal. Hi there, I'm Eva Eben. And I'm Quarry Sedona. And on today's episode of Barely Legal, we're going to be talking about a case called 303 Creative LLC versus Ellenis. This case has been heard by the Supreme Court as of the time of our recording, mm-hmm. and you can listen to the oral argument, although we are going to be talking about some parts that were interesting, yeah. but just a little bit about the facts of the case. So Lori Smith is the owner and founder of a graphic design firm called 303 Creative LLC. She wants to expand to creating wedding websites, but opposes same-sex marriage for religious reasons and wants to post a message on her website explaining that. And she also doesn't want to take any um, homosexual couples Mm -hmm. for marriage, for their wedding websites. Mm -hmm. So I think even before she posted the message on her website, she took Colorado to court um, Mm -hmm. based on this piece of legislation they have. It's called the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, or I think it's CADA. It's prohibiting businesses that are open to the public from discriminating on the basis of numerous characteristics, including sexual orientation. So public accommodations a lot, basically. And there is, so like in court, I think her lawyer was talking a lot about like you know, what precedents do we have that the mm-hmm. Supreme Court can draw from for this? And there is one that I'm going to, like, discuss super briefly, but it was, it's called Hurley versus Irish American Gay, Lesbian, and Bisexual Group of Boston. <laughs> um, they call it GLIB. But basically, um, the Boston's Veterans Council, a private group, was authorized to organize the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Boston, and they didn't want to include that group. And the Supreme Court said, hey, mandating that a private group must include Um, this group that they disagree with is a violation of their First Amendment. Basically, a speaker has the autonomy to choose the content of his own message and conversely to decide what not to say. So draw from that what you will. There's also Um, another um, precedent that people are looking to and thinking that this sounds familiar to, which is Master Cake Shop, which was also a case that was in Colorado. And if that sounds familiar, it's probably because it is. It was argued only five years ago in Mm -hmm. 2017, and the decision came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. And the decision basically said that a government can't compel, you know, a a cake, um, cake, a bakery. Yeah, I was going to say cake shop, cake maker, a baker (laughs) to can't compel a baker to produce wedding cakes for a um, LGBTQ plus couple, mm-hmm. if that's against their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. So this is so the cake was similar. Mm-hmm. So the cake was speech. Yes, yeah. it was regarded as speech, and um, the law was regarded as a religious restriction, which is similar to what is happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, except one big difference between Master Cake Shop and the case with Lori Smith and Creative LLC is that in this case. I would say that it's sort of taking a hypothetical question in a way because mm-hmm. Lori Smith has not had a client yet that is part of the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. or clients that are asking her to create wedding a website. wedding website. So she's sort of know, doing this preemptively. preemptively. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that people were talking about as I was listening is this is sort of a pre-enforcement case. And, yeah. um, you know, one thing that people are saying and I think that this is something that I agree with is 
in this case, it's, I think, hard kind of to see the other side because no one... You don't know what's happened yet. Yeah, no one has necessarily been harmed yet by this, right? Usually, I mean, of course, this court rules based on constitutional basis. And even in Master Cake Shop, um, I believe, you know, that... Um, it was a seven to two decision. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Sotomayor was one of the only mm-hmm. justices who is now still currently a justice that wrote, that dissented along with Ginsburg, I believe, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. And Kagan and Breyer both concurred in that case. So I, I have a feeling, you know, that Kagan might concur again. Of course, you can't make up the decision, but the difference there was that there was actually. I mean, there was couple. harm done. Yeah, there, there was harm done by not, you know, and also there was harm done by, you know, forcing someone to make a cake potentially for something they don't believe in. I also think, like, there is a question of is a website speech? Because it's not like, I mean, yeah, I think it's difficult, but I know that they were talking about hypothetical questions during the oral arguments and they said, hey, what if the website isn't one that's designed from scratch? What if it's just like a template, you know, like a plug and play pre-made template website? You just plug in your names. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's, does it make a difference if it's Mike and Anne or Mike and Harry? Yes, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Sotomayor, Kagan, one of them? Yeah. yeah. But could the initial designer of the template object to the use of that template um, by same-sex couples is it really speech or is it simply a service it's provided and like it's just a very interesting um, I think it's a very interesting conflict that's happening because it's a morally maybe not morally but it's an ambiguous case for sure yeah and we don't know how it'll play out and I think also it's again hard to understand really what's at stake on both sides mm-hmm. um, without you know a you know example example of how it's played out um, I think also that this is an important case beyond LGBTQ plus rights. I think a yeah. lot of people are, you know, saying that this is a case about LGBTQ plus rights, and I would like to disagree with that. I don't. I don't think that it is. I think it's about public accommodation. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think it's more than just the LGBTQ plus community, and I think it's going to have the ruling will most definitely have an impact on everyone. You know, the Mm -hmm. idea of whether or not a government can sort of, in a sense, force you to say something that is against your beliefs. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if I necessarily, you know, even with the hypotheticals that they were talking about, I think some of them were a little bit stretched. Yeah, Yeah, like, I I think they, I think someone brought up Black Santa and oh yeah that was Jackson that was Jackson um Justice Jackson she said something about like if you're in a mall and they want to recreate like 1940s and 50s imagery and they put up a sign that says white children only to take pictures of Santa which is like where and I think another justice um one of the male justices I can't remember who but took that example Alito further yes yes it was Alito. It was Alito. And took it even further inside of white children, I think, came dressed up in KKK costumes. Or I think something. it was Alito. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. And that is. I just think they're stretching it because they don't know what to do with it yet. You know, yeah, we, need, yeah. we need a good concrete example of this happening and harm being done. It's been done preemptively. So that changes things as far as it, how it's playing out in court. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's definitely a good law to examine. And I think you know, this is a good question that's being brought to the court, 
but I don't know if necessarily this case is the best example mm-hmm. only because I think it sort of turns an issue that is about compelled speech. A lot of people are turning it into something. Again, like I said, that's only about LGBTQ+. I also think, and it would be interesting if we introduce like the race element, because I think yeah. Sotomayor was talking about that a lot. Um, I think she said, so Miss Smith does have like gay clients. She does have LGBTQ clients, but she refuses to create websites for their weddings because she has a lot of other graphic design stuff, I think. She just doesn't do solely wedding websites. Mm-hmm. But um, Sotomayor said, is that not the same thing as a restaurant being willing to serve black people, but only through a takeout window? You know, you're offering these people a limited menu, just not the full man- yeah. menu. And I I just don't know. Like, that's a very interesting analogy. And I think also the interesting thing, again, is that she is a public. This is something Jackson brought up in the argument. Lauren Smith owns a public business. It mm-hmm. is not in a, in a private business. You are allowed to, you know, pick and choose your clients. But because it's a public business, right, you are by this law compelled to serve everyone. Yeah, because if you're open to the public, public you're open to, to all of everyone. the public. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, what was really I found this. The lawyer sort of slipped up for um, Lauren Smith. The lawyer slipped up in a question that Justin, Justice Barrett proposed and Mm -hmm. asked a hypothetical and the question was basically look you have this heterosexual couple Mm -hmm. and they ask you to make a wedding website but so in each of Lauren's in each of her websites there are like mess there's a little message that's like the story of us and then it's Mm -hmm. like made by made with love by whatever Mm -hmm. by um and the story, the couple is allowed to customize. And so she asked, you know, what if there's a heterosexual couple and they ask you, you know, can you say that our story is that even though we're heterosexual, cisgender, our relationship transcends, you know, gender. It transcends just all of that. It's yeah. where, you know, we're soulmates since we met. Our gender doesn't matter. And at first the lawyer said yes. And the problem with the lawyer saying yes to this at first is that it's not that, you know, Smith would have an issue with gay marriage because is that not what, right? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a marriage that Smith clearly wouldn't agree with that's heterosexual, but they're saying, you know, I'm okay. We're, it yeah. doesn't matter what so, our gender is. I do think it's, again, it's part of that gray area. It's just like, you don't know because it hasn't even happened yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that. But like what I thought was really interesting about that question was, so the issue isn't that Lauren Smith disagrees with same-sex marriage. The issue is that she is sending an implicit message by creating that website. Yeah. So you have to, for her to create your website, she has to agree with every single thing that is part of your story. Mm-hmm. Because that, like, the hypothetical was, you know, our cisgenderedness and our, like, heterosexuality is completely irrelevant to our love. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. So, like... Is and that, and if she wouldn't approve that, so does so, that is that discrimination or is it just she doesn't want to? Exactly, because that's an interesting thing. At first, mm-hmm. the lawyer said, you know, yes, this is okay. And you know, when I I think even Barrett, when she heard that answer, she was like, wait, what? Wait, what? why? And then she asked to clarify. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she asked to clarify. She was like, so you are saying that they would be okay with this, even though this is something against her beliefs? And yeah. um, the lawyer was like, okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> but I mean, I think her follow up was, what if a heterosexual couple? came to Lauren Smith, said, we want our dating story up on our website. Yeah, yeah. And the story is, we had an affair. 
um, mm-hmm. while we were both married to other people, <laughs> but we fell in love. Yeah. And, you know, if Lauren Smith is religious and, like, if she's, you know, truly Christian, adultery is in the Bible. You're not supposed to do that. So, yeah. Like, where is the line? Is it an implicit message if you create a website for somebody or a couple who's done things that you disagree with? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's an interesting question as well. And I think, again, like, to think about, you know, the other implications that this case has, because it does have other implications. Does this mean that it would be okay to discriminate on the basis of disability? A lot of people, many people in history historically have said, you know, terrible things about how they would not like to see people with disabilities and also um, with people with, you know, mental also um, illnesses not be allowed to have the same rights as everyone else and i think you know is that something that would be okay um i think the question is if we're going to do this with sexual orientation what else will we do it with Mm -hmm. i i actually think a really interesting like one is religion and like i think i forget who it was that brought it up but i think maybe it was a brief that was sent into the court um before the case was argued but it was about like what if we had an interreligious couple um a jewish person and a christian person getting married and i know like within judaism just because the numbers are dwindling and like um interreligious marriages are considered a threat to the religion itself because then you have children who are of two religions blah 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 right so if you are a jewish person and you're making a website and for um a couple that is both jewish and christian um you disagree with that should you be allowed to in your public business, should you be allowed, be allowed to, to refuse service? And, you know, opposite way around, too. Like, if you're a Christian business owner, are you allowed to discriminate against oh, an yeah. Islamic, couple, Islamic couple, you know, period, because you disagree with their religion? Like, yeah. how far are, are religious freedoms allowed to go? And at the same time, how far is the government allowed to go? Mm-hmm. I heard someone say... And I'm not sure I necessarily agree with this, but I heard someone say that this had echoes of communism. And apparently people who have lived in communist states such as Cuba are saying that, you know, this type of compelled speech does have echoes of sort of the government having, you know, yeah, yeah, having complete control. And I think Mm -hmm. that is definitely of issue here. And I think that that's the, you know, scary part of this and i think that's yeah. where the standing for this case is is how far can the government go yeah but how far can you also go as a public business sure. and what is discrimination and yeah. is it and should we condone a little bit of that just to protect that right to free speech and that right to not say the things you don't want to say you know and i think that's the other thing is that i um you know in obergefell the justices did say you know we will protect people's religious, free, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. religious freedoms. Those who are opposed to the marriage of same-sex mm-hmm. couples, they will be, you know, they don't have to agree with the marriages. And I think that that is what the court will mm-hmm. say again in this case, similar to master cakes. But I is we have to protect, we have to protect, we have to protect the, rights the, rights the rights of people and yeah, the speech yeah. of people. You well, know, I know that the dissenting opinion in a bridge fell. Um, a by the way, was the federal landmark case that guaranteed same-sex marriage or the right to same-sex marriage mm-hmm. in all 50 states. But the dissenting opinion in Abergefell was Alito, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember that he he wrote that his biggest fear with Abergefell was that um, people who disagreed with same-sex marriage as an institution be, to... be silent or like 
I think he said like the Christian conservative values or something like that. But I think I'm sure that that's how he will vote this time around and to protect those things and those values. Yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's very interesting to think about whether this kind of website is, you know, with the plug and play hypotheticals that they were handing out. Yeah, with the template, like, is this speech, and if you're creating this speech on behalf of someone else, is it your own speech? Like, I think they brought up if someone, you know, I think the lawyer for Lori Smith brought up, this is the same as having a Democrat write a speech for a Republican, which I'm not sure if I necessarily agree Mm-mm. with that <laughs> hypothetical, yeah. but I think that, you know, it's it's interesting to think about whether or not your speech, if you're making it as a company, is it really your own speech? And I think... does not apply to the baker, too. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. And I think that's something that we're seeing also now with a lot of you know, this going back again to things like Twitter that we talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of social media companies are potentially taking the heat. We talked about this in our previous episode for, um, you know, international terrorism. And I think that is interesting to think about is, you know, do social comp- do social media companies, if users on those companies, you know, make a statement is that the statement of the companies you know i think this is something that people are thinking about with even celebrities who are endorsed by certain people Mm -hmm. you know what comes to mind right now is kanye west yes and the anti-semitism that he's been spewing and you know how Mm -hmm. you know brand he's losing a ton of brand deals because that's reflective on those brands, right? Yeah, it's saying, you know, we're giving this person money to propagate that. these kinds of ideologies. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one's really tricky. Like, I, I know that I personally have a lot of trouble with reconciling mm-hmm. the right to free speech and the right to, you know, as a, like if you're a member of a marginalized community, like the queer community, having the right to not be discriminated yeah, against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's, you know, where. I, but I also really strongly feel that I think that it will be tricky. I think I have a feeling I know the way that the court will rule. And I also Absolutely. think that if the court rules in favor of LNS, I think we get into tricky waters with compelled speech. And I think that could be. And it could also be used. Absolutely. Because I think it could be used to justify a lot more insidious things because compelled speech comes in many forms and not something just like this yeah and i think you know freedom of speech is something that is imperative to our democracy yeah absolutely i think again like we were talking about social media you know a lot of places are filtering speech and i think it's really important that we continue to be able to have the right to say what we want you know does and not say what we want yes and i i think like you know again um I was listening to a really interesting episode about, again, about Kanye and his speech and about whether or not he should be, you know, allowed to... Was it the offline podcast? It was um, Barry Weiss, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, so that was, you know, again, really interesting and I know completely separate, but thinking about speech in this way and the way that we speech is changing drastically with social media technology... I think the court sort of has to play catch up with, yeah. you know, their decisions. 
Well, and that is the role of the court historically as well. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Brown v. Board is one extreme example where they were sort of setting the tide as opposed to just yeah, following yeah, it. But um, with social media, I think it's been super, super interesting to see how this plays out. And we're not just talking about freedom of speech. We're talking about freedom of reach. Like we all have the right to speak, but do we have the right to reach as many people as possible? Because when you see lunatics in the street shouting awful things, you don't stop them because they have the right to speak as long as they're not like assaulting anybody or Mm -hmm. with their speech. But when you have people online who have the ability to reach millions of people at once, then you have, first of all, we have virtual echo chambers. We have misinformation that's spread. We have bigoted ideologies and that are used to justify awful things so i think reconciling all of that and coming to like a conclusion that first of all doesn't infringe on somebody's right to speak yeah yeah. but also protects the good of the people is going to be so tricky yeah and i think also with this case we see at hand again separating the art from the artist also in a sense like i know a lot of people talk about certain musicians who have histories Kanye, yeah. um, you know, who have histories of domestic abuse, domestic violence. Rex Orange. Know. Yes, right yeah. Kanye. And, like, tons of, I think that was um, sexual assault. But R. Kelly. Yeah, Chris Brown. like J.K. Rowling. A, a ton of people that are just, you know, can we separate their art from who they are? Does that mean that they're, you know, is, is their speech a reflection of who they are? I mean, this is all stuff that. Yeah, sorry, I'm just thinking of examples. <laughs> my there's a lot, yeah. evidently. I think this is all. Yeah. Some, these are all questions that sort of the mm-hmm. court will be thinking about. You know, and are related areas that I think are interesting to explore as the court continues to explore the right to, and our the right to speech and the freedom of speech that we have in mm-hmm. this country. And that is all we have for you today. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you.